Hey, everybody. Um, if you haven't listened to the last episode, that's uh, episode 69, and that was about the 14-step uh, macro doomsday scenario. Um, I think it'll be very helpful for you to hear that before you listen to what I'm going to cover today. So uh, check out that last episode and then come back to check this one out. Um, so let's get to it. If you are like me, you probably keep some cash and maybe some gold and silver coins under lock and key, and nobody knows about them. Not your government, not your friends. Um, I know for me, I keep most of mine uh, in a safe deposit box at the bank, which actually I don't recommend anymore. But we can go into the details of home safes and, and, and whatnot down the line. Anyway, so I'm talking to a buddy of mine the other day, and he's been hiding money for years, like literally in multiple places, like burying some on his property, keeping some hidden in like crazy hiding places in his garage. And and this guy, he's not overly paranoid. He's a very left-leaning dude, meaning that he's not a survivalist. He doesn't own any guns, um, which I've personally been telling him for years since he lives in Portland. Get yourself armed and trained. Uh, but anyway, the point is that his thesis has always been basically this. I'll trade a lot of yield for a lot of liquidity. I'll trade a lot of yield for a lot of liquidity, meaning, you know, that, that he's keeping this cash that's losing 7% of its value every year. And, you know, if it weren't for the Canadian government freezing those trucker accounts, you know, followed by the whole Russia thing and the ease of freezing people and government and corporate accounts and assets, I'd still be thinking that he was kind of a nut job, but no more, uh, especially after um, reading that 14 point doomsday scenario I talked about in the last episode. Again, I keep some cash, but not enough to keep me going if my accounts were seized or you know, if the, the there was a run on the bank. So anyway, a couple of weeks ago, we started talking, my buddy and I started talking about Bitcoin. And he owns a tiny bit on Coinbase and he's definitely not orange-pilled like I am, but it, it, it freaked him out that governments could freeze crypto accounts. Because after all, isn't this supposed to be kind of sovereign censorship-proof money and all that? Well, dumb shits like Elizabeth Warren are going to tell you that Bitcoin is created for drug dealers and money launderers. But the truth is, every transaction is captured and held on the blockchain, the public blockchain for all to see. So there's what they call digital breadcrumbs. So every time Bitcoin changes hands, and even though your wallet may be pseudonymous, there are IP addresses attached to it, and officials can figure out where and who you are. Now, of course, there's there's layer two, like lightning uh, options, which I still don't fully understand. I have a lightning node at my desk, but I don't understand you know, if that provides a cloak of, of uh, anonymity. But I can tell you this, in general, Bitcoin is not a uh, fully private medium of exchange. Because remember, like the, the the colonial pipeline ransomware attack a few years ago, the FBI was able to track down and recover over half of like the multi-million dollar ransom that was paid out. And it turns out that, well, it's a lot easier to track transactions on a blockchain over, say, a bank because you don't need warrants and whatnot to look under the hood of the blockchain. Um, so my point is, once you buy Bitcoin, your government knows you have it. If you've got five grand in a safe, in cash, nobody knows you have it. So now my buddy's like, how can I buy Bitcoin anonymously? And I was like, dude, I have no idea. But let me get back to you. So first off, let me just start off by saying I'm not a crypto expert. 
I'm fascinated by it. I spend hours, literally at least an hour a day learning about Bitcoin, but I'm not an expert. If you are, please send me a message if you hear any kind of factually incorrect information in what I'm about to share. So I set out to figure out how to buy Bitcoin anonymously. So my first step was going to be basically to Google how to anonymously buy Bitcoin. But remember, Google saves every search that you make. And I didn't want to get audited 10 years from now and have the IRS guy say, Mr. Franklin, it appears you were Googling information about how to buy Bitcoin anonymously. We're going to have to detain you until you share all your wallet addresses so we can see how much you really have. Um, unlikely, but I seriously did want to figure this out. And I wanted to figure out this stuff anonymously. So on my Tor browser, look it up, the Tor browser, that's a private way to search the internet. With my VPN on, on a non-Google search engine, I found a site called HODL HODL. That's H-O-D-L-H-O-D-L.com. And that acts as a kind of a go-between or escrow service for private parties to trade cryptocurrencies. And you can use everything from a credit card to PayPal to Venmo to Cash App, even Amazon gift cards. Um, so just to try it out, I did a couple. I bought a couple of hundred bucks worth of uh, Bitcoin on Hodl Hodl using PayPal from a dude in Colombia. Um, but unfortunately, this was on my computer. I used my PayPal account. And even though, you know, this might seem like a kind of a way to dodge the exchanges, well, you pay high premiums for one thing. I think this guy was selling at 20% over the current uh, Bitcoin price at the time. But, you know, this isn't anonymous. Uh, you know, if I would have bought a new laptop, created a completely new online identity and wallet and PayPal account and only used that new laptop on a Wi-Fi network well away from my home, well, I still would have had to fund my PayPal account. So how was I going to do that? Anyway, no matter what, this was too much work for not enough anonymity. And what about Bitcoin ATMs? Well, there's one down at my local liquor store, but you still have to sign up for an account before you can buy. And so that's not private. But then, here we go. I found out about a different company that's making Bitcoin ATMs. And with them, you can buy with cash up to 900 bucks a day worth of Bitcoin and you don't have to give your ID. Bingo. And these are called coin flip ATMs. And if you look them up, it's very likely there's one or more near you. So I called my buddy and I asked if he was still interested in getting his hands on some digital mattress money. And he said, yes. So I said, pick me up at my place, leave your phone at home. What the fuck, dude? Why am I leaving my phone at home? Um, and I said, and one more thing, bring an extra couple hundred bucks in cash because you're going to need it to make a small purchase. So what I'm going to describe next is not something that I'm recommending that you do. It's not something I'd ever do well, because then I'd be advertising that I did it on this show for all to hear. But I believe it's going to work for this guy, and I believe it did work. So he comes over. He brought his phone. Okay, so I said, dude, go home leave your phone on and come back again. That's a non-negotiable, okay? Because whether I'm being paranoid or not, you're constantly, the phone is a geolocation device, right? So I, I wanted him to be, I guess, I wanted his location to be 100% anonymous. So he went back, left his phone at home, and I told him to leave it on. So, you know, whoever is is following you or whoever, whatever government body is tracking you thinks you're at home. Uh, so he came back and then we went and I left my phone at home too because I don't want to get mixed up in this. And so then we went to a store 
uh, kind of a mega store and bought a prepaid phone phone, basically like a drug dealer burner phone and a month of service. We then went to a local coffee shop because we needed a, a, a Wi-Fi network to set this phone up. So he uh, and then also he needed an email address uh, to get the account on the prepaid phone deal going. So there are multiple like anonymous high security free email address generators out there, mail accounts. So we got him a nice private email account and got the service set up. But then, and under, a, obviously under someone, a different name. So then he needed a wallet where he was going to store his Bitcoin. And uh, Samurai, or at least based on my limited research, the Samurai wallet is the most private of the wallets out there, um, or at least of the wallets that you can use on a mobile phone. Now, one of the reasons why Samurai Wallet is so secure and so private is that it works on the Tor network. Remember, I just mentioned the Tor browser. Well, the Tor network, long story short, it cloaks your IP address by sending all these packets through a bunch of different nodes all over the world. And um, anyway, it, I, I don't really understand how it all works. But this Samurai Wallet is also VPN compatible. So again, all the transactions pass through some kind of encrypted tunnel. Um, if, and then again, that hides your IP address, I guess. I don't understand the mechanics of it, but it seems to be kind of a bulletproof way to make sure that you're private, you know? But what's really cool is that the Samurai wallet generates a new wallet address for each transaction. So like, well, say I'm sending a Bitcoin to my Atomic wallet. My Atomic wallet Bitcoin address is the same every time. So there's a long list of transactions from multiple places, you know, like my Kraken account or my Coinbase account leading to my Atomic wallet account. That's not anonymous. So to me, that's the coolest feature of this Samurai wallet. The fact that it generates the new wallet address every time. That's cool. So being uh, close to the state line, we decided for extra anonymity, let's go up to Vancouver, Washington. We found a coin flip there. Uh, we went into the little store, 7-Eleven-ish type store that, where it was. We put on masks and sunglasses, um, which actually around here, people are still wearing masks. Don't get me started. Um, there's a little camera on the machine. So I put my hand over the camera to hide him. And so here's the, the process of buying Bitcoin using the coin flip ATM. So first... You push a button that says you want to buy. Okay. Then it asks if you want to buy nine up to $900 worth or more than $900 worth. And if you are planning to buy $900 or less, all you have to do is put in your name and your mobile phone number. Okay. That's why we got the burner phone. So next it sends you a text to your phone with a little six digit code. And then you pop that in. And then what it does is it asks you to hold up your, because each wallet has a, a QR code. So on Samurai Wallet, when you hit receive, it pops up a QR code. And then there's a camera on the machine, a different camera on the, the ATM, where you hold your phone up to it with the, the QR code. And then it knows what address to send to that. And again, with the Samurai Wallet, it generates a different wallet address every time, which is so cool. Okay, so then you start putting your $100 bills in. And again, the limit on this is $900 a day. And he tried to put in more than $900 and the machine wouldn't do it. Uh, so the way around this 
is that you can get like other mobile phone numbers on your phone if you want. There's text apps. And so I think down the line, he's going to get a couple of these other numbers, kind of like Google Voice, um, where he could receive texts from that ATM on a different phone number so that he could do more per day. Anyway, I told him moving forward, just keep your transactions to $500 or less. You know, again, that will attract less attention. And also, you know, there's a Cynthia Lummis bill uh, that's being written right now that would make it so that transactions under $600 on cryptocurrencies wouldn't be considered taxable events. Uh, because as of right now, anytime you exchange a cryptocurrency, it's a taxable event, which is fucked. So anyway, uh, I told him, yeah, keep the transactions to 500 bucks. But then if he had, if he did want to, you know, seriously pursue this, if he got a couple of other different numbers on that phone, um, and just did 500 bucks at a time, he could do a couple of grand a day, you know? So it, it, there's, there's ways around the whole limit. And then again, uh, turn off once we were done, turn that burner phone off before leaving the site of the ATM and then drive back to our home state and boom, he was able to purchase Bitcoin seemingly anonymously. But then that leaves the big question, how do you get your money out? Well, by the time Bitcoin is worth 500,000 or a million bucks a coin, are these ATMs going to be outlawed? Who knows? But yes, you can get the money out uh, right now in these ATMs. That's going to cost you a 5% premium. Oh, did I mention? I, I can't remember if I mentioned this. You're paying an 11% premium when you're buying these Bitcoins. So at the time, the Bitcoin price was like 38 and it was selling for like 42. So, you know, small price to pay if you believe the asset is going to explode in value. But down the line, if these ATMs are outlawed, who knows uh, how you're going to be able to get your Bitcoin out. You may have to go to a foreign country where like, you know, you go to a MoneyGram outlet and, you know, get, get a couple of grand. Uh, not efficient, but doable. Anyway, I told him, dude, have some Bitcoin in your Roth IRA. Have some Bitcoin on an exchange, you know, legitimately like BlockFi. And have some of this digital mattress money on your burner phone with your samurai wallet. And then if you want, you can move that anonymously purchased Bitcoin to cold storage. Um, and again, if you're going to manage all this anonymously, you'll probably want to buy a cheap Chromebook, again, with cash that you only use miles from your home and never in the same place where you have your phone on and use that Chromebook as your base camp for your hardware wallets and whatnot. So again... None of this is financial advice. I would never recommend doing any of the things that I described in this episode. But if the seizure of assets and freezing of accounts by seemingly friendly governments like Canada scares you like it does me, it's probably a good thing at least to know how to do this, right? And if you have friends that might benefit from this information, please share this episode. And uh, that's it for today. Pray for Ukraine. Buy Bitcoin. Have a great one. And I will talk to you soon. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. 
And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 